because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. You can uh, go over there, 247comedy.com, as well as being a website. You can listen to them 24-7 on the iHeartRadio app, or you can check out one of their many AM-FM affiliates, 1027 Austin, 1025 Kansas City, 97.3 Phoenix. Tons of affiliates, great station. Speaking of great, Logan, as you mentioned, Amazon. We do uh, good business with Amazon, and you guys, uh, who doesn't like Amazon? Pretty simple. You log on to SeanTGreen.com, you hit that banner, Everything you go, we get a very, very tiny percent, and it's uh, good times. I saw some uh, dad and graphs or dad and grad gifts uh, heading out the Amazon box, so appreciate the support, guys. Thank you very much. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's happening? God bless America, Sean. God bless America. Very, I like that uh, patriotic intro. We're only recording this on a Sunday. You, if you guys are listening to us, it's uh, on a Monday or Whatever, man, because it's on demand. Could and be on um, Independence Day. You could be, uh, yeah, you're getting together for a barbecue. You throw on, hey, let's listen to some talk radio podcasts. <laughs> um, that's probably not a great way to celebrate. But hey, man, who am I to judge? I appreciate the download. What's happening, Logan? Nothing much, man. My parents just visited. Yeah, how'd great. that go? Yeah, it was kind of stressful, but uh, it, was, it was all right. It was nice. We had a good time together. Good time with the family? Yeah. All right. Yeah, my uh, my friends were just in town. We uh, they came out for my buddy's bachelor party. We did a three day camping bachelor party over on Catalina Island. That was a lot of fun. And then my two uh, buddies from Pennsylvania hanging out and uh, yeah, just uh, doing a fair amount of drinking, carousing, that whole thing. Took my one friend uh, Steve, kind of a meathead, and I took him to a um, a comedy show. And we were talking to this agent afterwards. After the show, and she was talking like, oh, she had a, she was mentioning, oh, I can't wait till the holidays because I guess she was saying agents have they all the agencies took Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off of this week, and she was really excited for this agents' holidays. She she called it, and my buddy was drunk and misheard, and he's like, oh, Asian holidays, oh yeah, man, we were we were ragging on Asians the entire weekend. I'm like, wait, <laughs> no, 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 oh no. He's like, wait, why why do they do they really love the Fourth of July? She's like, no, no, agents. And he goes, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, I was talking about Asians. We were making fun of Asians all weekend. I'm like, now, this doesn't happen to be your Asian manager, right? No, that- this is – no, this is – no, this was a uh, a white woman who was he was saying this to. But it, it was still uh, – it was just a classic uh, – classic, classic, uh, classic mishap. Yep, our buddy Steve. And speaking of buddies, we have a uh, very special guest in studio, Mr. Josh Androsky. Josh, what's happening, man? USA, 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 USA. I appreciate that. As does, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm a spokesman for America in the comedy community. And I'll, I'll, I'm, yeah, 
It's uh, America's a great country, Josh. I Land agree. The free home of the brave. Now we have a ton of stuff to get to you. You were the Bonnaroo correspondent. I also have some clips from your recent appearance on The Price is Right. We will we'll get to all of that for sure. But for people new to the Josh Androsky world, I thought it's worth getting to know you a little bit before we get into the Bonnaroo and Price is Right. So, Josh, were you born in America? I'm assuming. Uh, yes, I was born firmly in the heart of America, a Jewish suburb outside of Malibu. Okay. <laughs> Nothing more American than that. Now, you say Jewish <laughs> suburb outside of Malibu. What what uh, what part are we talking? It's uh, Oak Park, California, and it's basically Pleasantville if everybody in Pleasantville was a Jew with digital cable. Okay, so now it was it was a uh, it was a Jewish environment. Yeah, it was like it was basically like an entertainment community, like uh, for people that weren't all the way there. You know, like my dad was involved in the show Cops and like oh, wow. the show I N L A and like all these like kind of like proto reality shows. So he never really like produced a sitcom or directed a movie, and everybody at sort of his level, like. My best friend growing up, his dad was an editor for the Fox football games. Yes. So it was like your C-level. Cool, yeah, it was cool. It was awesome. It was like your I, would, c- I would venture to say B-level. I mean, okay. everybody knows what cops is. Yeah, I guess everybody that's Everybody watches football. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> My dad was sort of the first dude to combine tits and jet skis and call it the news. Really? Now, wait. Is that I on LA? That's basically... I've never seen the show. But it's, you remember, uh, do you watch The Simpsons, you know, Ion yeah, Springfield? Yeah. That's it. Like, that's. Oh, they're doing a parody. They're doing a parody of that. Yeah. That was my dad's fucking show. It's pretty so awesome. Just a lot of TNA and then somehow yeah. bookending it around some sort of travel sort of local event yeah. to make it seem like, oh, this is a magazine story. Right. But every magazine piece just ends up being more TNA and chicks hanging out. Now, yeah. is your dad a fan of that? Is, does he kind of live the California lifestyle? Oh, yeah, he has an earring and a motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, dude, he totally is California dreaming. Now, where did your dad grow up in California as well? Or no, did my, he come out here? He was born in a mining town in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Like, oh, near oh. Pittsburgh. Uh, and then he, like, when he was little, my, uh, his family moved them to Oregon. And then when he was, like, my age, like, he had to be, in his like mid twenties, he like got on a motorcycle and drove down to L.A. and was like, "I'm gonna make TV shows." Because he was like a he was like a news anchor uh, for like a local station. He was like, "I'm gonna make these now." And he just came down and uh, sounds like he had a pretty successful career. Is he still working in TV production now? Yeah, uh, I actually worked for him. It was weird because like. You know, a bunch of people that I grew up with all, like, worked for, you know, their parents, just like any fucking town, except, like, yeah. you know, Hunter's dad was a, a stuntman, and so, like, he got into <laughs> being a stuntman, you know? And, Take like, your daughter to work day. I'm going to throw you off this ledge, all right? right? <laughs> I'm throwing you through this glass wall. Yeah, or glass window. Tuck and roll, sweetheart. This is what the working world's like. You want to make a dollar to my dollar? You got to you gotta bite the bullet and go through these uh, bunch of boxes we set up near a dock. Literally shatter the glass ceiling with your body. <laughs> yes, with your body. <laughs> Okay, so you grew up in kind of a show-busy world. Was that – so I guess, you know, normally when uh, comics come on and when they tell their parents or they have aspirations of being in show business, their parents usually are like, ah, oh, that's kind of a crazy idea. You can't make a living on that. That's not a real job. Did you get that when you decided to get involved in show business? No, not at all. I, it was They were super supportive, which is even weirder when you think that they – 
they're around it and they know how hard it is. <laughs> like, they know for a fact that it's basically impossible to make any money doing it, uh, at least until you're 30. Right. Uh, but no, they were super supportive. Um, I actually, uh, I dropped out of high school. Wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah, I assumed yeah. you were, you seem like a learned man. I just assumed very educated. You dropped yeah, out no, of high school. I, yeah, I dropped out of high school. It's the glasses. It's the glasses. Glasses. You have a giant beard going right now, which makes me think Perfect. usually guys who dropped out of high school, you know, when they're trying to have a normal job or, or trying to be successful, they're always like clean cut, looking sharp. They don't want it to come up. But it, Oh, I billboard it. Yeah. <laughs> high school dropout with the giant uh, beard is uh, yeah. it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. But so I dropped out of high school uh, after my junior year and then I like took the test that was like the GED equivalent test and because I knew that I wanted to get a, a job in the entertainment industry somehow uh, and I figured like being here like I could instead of going to college for four years I could just like be someone's bitch on set yeah PA for yeah four years. PA yeah exactly so I did that it's a great message to kids out there. Yeah. No joking around. You, if you want to work in entertainment, just intern, show up, and slowly, whatever kind of field you're trying to get into. I mean, obviously, the performing aspect, that's a whole nother game. But yeah. as far as any sort of like technical position, crew position, you just show up and you're like, you're, you go, Hey, does anyone need me to carry the boom mic? You want to be the boom mic assistant? Someone, you'll eventually get a gig and yeah. start working. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. What, uh, so early on, did you know, hey, I want to be involved in comedy? Uh, I always gravitated towards comedy, for sure. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, like in high school, I was like, no, man, I'm fucking serious. Because I would always get cast as the clown. You know, I would always get cast in the funny roles or whatever. But I was like, someone take me seriously. And then I... Brooding teenager. Right, yeah. Then I got out of puberty and I was like, no, 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 no. It's way more fun to be funny. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I, I always knew, but I wanted to... Right. I always thought that that was it. Like, I was like, I'm not going to perform. Because uh, I, I, I briefly flirted with acting school, and holy shit, did that suck. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, and, like, they show you how it, like, I could never be an actor. I could never go through, like, auditions and memorizing shitty stuff and then just seeing other people that aren't as good as you, like, just get. Because they look, cause, oh, they have a smaller nose than me. So yes, they're gonna. Exactly. It's not a Jew thing. Oh um, right. I was. I was. It was implied. <laughs> the Jew thing would actually help. So I don't know. Maybe they've got like bigger ears than me. And that's exactly. What, the, that's what the one Jew thought. <laughs> like, oh, we well, that. Ears I mean, now. that's at least. I mean, all aspects of performing are it, are insanely tough. But acting, like you said, it's so much of it is out of your control. At least yeah. with comedy, at the end of the day, I can stand up and I can tell the jokes and people laugh or they don't or whatever. There's at least some sort of merit going on or at least you can walk away with something going hey you know i might not be a household name i might not be making a ton of money doing comedy but when i show up at a comedy club or i mean actually more often just a place where they're doing comedy a bar a, a bar <laughs> i like i like playing at bars a lot to be honest oh me too and so when you show up to, at least there's you feel like you're accomplishing something, whereas acting, it just must be one kind of crazy failure after another. And I think that's why actors are crazy, because so much of it is completely subjective. And like you said, you're relying on someone else to go, yeah, you'd be perfect for that role. Like, to right. just to have a chance yeah, to even do your acting is crazy. There's no, like, acting open mics. I mean, I guess people <laughs> do little plays here and there, but... I, I, yeah, I don't know. For me, that that seems crazy to just want to be an actor and 
yeah, I imagine, like, what kind of satisfaction are you getting at it? it? It must be really frustrating just to want to act. Right. And and think about, you know, like, when you go for an audition and you do really, really well, the casting director is just going to go, okay, thank you. Yeah. You know, like, that yeah. they're going to say the same and thing. And see, even when I do really, really bad, they still say the same right. thing. Commercial auditions, I'll drop all the props, not say the line right. And great, great. Yeah, that was great. That was totally great. <laughs> Whereas, like, when you're at a fucking bar and there's a bunch of drunk people and you're doing well, you're getting huge laughs. You're getting a response. You're like, yes. You're like, oh, I feel good about myself. There's some affirmation there. You feel like, okay, this is kind of, this is kind of something. And yeah, I mean, obviously, who gets more exposure? And yeah, there's, there's uh, tons of uh, crap that are, goes along with comedy as with any kind of uh, performing job, but. I feel like it's really more in your control in comedy and stand up specifically more than anything because like even in a given night like you don't have to stick to what you showed up with. Yeah. You know if you like if you go on an audition and like the words just aren't working for you, you cannot change them. No. You know? right. Yeah, no like, one wants to hear me improv a uh, you know, a Pet Boys commercial right, audition. Exactly. <laughs> now, no, you're trust me, Manny. Mo Manny and Jack didn't know anything about hooks. Let me tell you. <laughs> pet Boys, they got your auto tours. Come down to Pet Boys. It's kind you're of right. catchy. Kind yeah, of, yeah. That's the best I could improv. That's why I'm not an uh, improviser by trade. <laughs> so, Josh, your parents, they said okay to you dropping out of high school, junior year, to just kind of pursue entertainment in a broad yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, they did. I, I did. I like. I went to an acting school for like a year and d- dropped out of that uh, because of what we just talked about. Uh, and then I got a job at the Cheesecake Factory nice. for a little bit there at the Grove, and that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just like, because I was like, I'm gonna do this on my own. I think my dad has a production company, and I was like, no, dad, I'm like. <laughs> and then finally, I was like, okay, I've been eating Honey Nut Cheerios. Yes. Like, and nothing else. That sounds awesome, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I just got a job, like being a PA, like getting people coffee and shit. And over six years, I worked my way up uh, until I was a writer and producer. And now, what was the? What was kind of the? What was this? What was something that you wrote or produced that you're kind of most proud of, or that was most interesting to you? Uh, the craziest thing I ever wrote had to be the Fox New Year's special for I think it was like the year going into 2009 into 2010. Yeah. Fox, yeah, the... Fox, like Channel 11. Fox. Oh wow! Yeah. So they like the local Fox station, their little no, no, the the oh wow, the whole networks, national, yeah. That's crazy. That sounds yeah. like a crazy gig. What now? Were you responsible for kind of their banter? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Dude, now, like, who was hosting it that year? So it was Mark Thompson, the guy who I don't know if you remember all those fucking weirdo shows on Fox that were like, yes, here I'm here with this lady whose eyes bug out of her head, like the Guinness Book show, and like those all are that so, kind of shit. Or they had like what was it, Man versus Beast? Oh, we're gonna have a rhino uh, impale this car and then have a guy drag it by his teeth tied up to a chain who can drag it farther right exactly and and this dude was that guy he was the guy with the voice you know and so he hosted it oh, what was it he had a he had the late night show on fox for like a minute spike oh Ferriston? spike Firsten. yeah yes he he's actually it. he's actually a really good writer he wrote a lot of uh seinfeld yeah yeah and i think he wrote on the simpsons briefly too yeah he was hilarious and really cool to work with uh both uh, both of them were and then there was i totally forget her name but she was like nabbed from one of the the uh uh affiliates like she was like the san diego weather girl or something like that like and okay. so it was them and then i just sat in a room i i sat in las vegas in a small room at the mirage hotel 
for like a week with this ancient woman and I had to type in the words and then we had to fucking time. Can I curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. Okay, awesome. Uh, we had to fucking time out everything. Like we had to like read it and see how long it lasted because it was live. Right. So you want to get wow. it down as tight as you can or get the time cues right. right exactly. Yeah. Wow. That, that sounds fun, man. It was, it was, it was fun, but it was ridiculously stressful, uh, for something that doesn't matter at all. Yes. Uh, it really, cause they could have just said what I wrote. I think I wrote like, coming up next. You know, like, <laughs> right. they, uh, what's my motivation here? Right. I feel like the, I'm kind of hanging a participle. It, it, you'd be amazed the <laughs> micro minutia people go, go into over just stuff that no one would even notice that's yeah. watching the program. Well, I got into a bit of an argument and which sort of led to me not working there anymore. Um, after I wrote, they forced me, Fox, they didn't like put a gun to my head, but they were like, you have to say Robbie Knievel is a good man because, and I think the line was like, they, they, they like sent it to me. He believes in God and country above all else. And I was like, I don't think that's what makes you necessarily like, what about being a cool guy to people? Like, what about <laughs> like being nice to animals or whatever? They're like, no, you have to write this. And I was like, what if I don't? And they were like, you have to write this. So I got in a, it was a bit more animated than that in the moment at like <laughs> one in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like getting frantic. Yeah. And I just did, I don't know. I had to write copy for Fox News. Really? Yeah, which is now politically, a, you you strike me as a hardcore Republican. I no, imagine totally. that's, a, that's a, I imagine that's so kind a of a dream. dream. It's a dream. It's kick. a Republican beard. I can tell. Yeah, it was Jewish a, guy, uh, uh, suburbs yeah. of Malibu, yeah. hardcore Republican. Totally. Correct? Yeah, you know, Papa Bear, Bill O'Reilly, like just being <laughs> able to say things that that came out of that guy's mouth. It really, I was hard for weeks. Yes, uh, but. <laughs> It was actually very scary for me. <laughs> like, so now, when did you decide to – I'm trying to think of when I met you. But when did you start getting into stand-up as well, – when did you start performing? After that, I don't know, dude. Like I was really young when I got – like I was lucky and so I was super young and I was writing a lot. And I would get into a lot of arguments with people and yell at people and just be a dick uh, a mm-hmm. lot to the people who were my bosses. So I didn't get as many jobs. You know, I was like fucking 21. And I was like, Bill Hicks is the greatest person who's ever lived. If you're a suit, you got to die. Uh, and so I was just – I was a little shit to work with and I was the boss's kid. So they, I just got hired on like less and less shit uh, and until finally I was producing a reality show – or not a reality show, a gossip show that wasn't even TMZ. Like did you know there were other ones that are way worse? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And this one was TMZ, but like the frozen yogurt version where like it was just super nice and everyone was like, Oh my God, did you see her? She looks great. <laughs> that <laughs> was sounds like show. an awesome show. It was the worst show in the world. Uh, and I hated it. And my girl, I was just like, my girlfriend at the time was like, you are miserable right now. Uh, and so I went on unemployment, like fucking couldn't pay rent, had to move into my dad's couch. Didn't have anything going on, was drinking two bottles of wine a day, went yeah. through the wire in about a week, and then thought, I should probably start doing stand-up because there's nothing that can hurt me ever right. again. Like, the audience, I'm not afraid of the audiences anymore. Yeah, no, you right. feel burned by the 
burned by the network news and you decided to strike out one man in a microphone. Yeah, dude, I was just like, there's literally nothing that is, like, I'm scared of doing this, but, like, I have to do something, and I can't just keep drinking and watching The Wire. No, no. That is a fun time, though. I was just thinking about The Wire the other day. Great show. And I was trying to remember who actually got killed in The Wire, and I was like, wow, that's that's crazy that there's so many people murdered in The Wire that you can't keep track of it at all. Of who was killed, (laughs) yeah. It's just a, I think it's just a... um, Baltimore PSA, basically, for the city of Baltimore. Hey, come out. We got some docs. We have some uh, good times. All right. And lots does- and lots of WMD. We got that WMD. <laughs> exactly. Red tops. All right. Well, perfect transition because there's a lot of drug selling, obviously, going on in Baltimore, Maryland. But we sent you – well, actually, you were going anyway, and I just asked <laughs> you to bring a tape recorder. But to uh, – you went to the Bonnaroo Music and Comedy Festival out in uh, Manchester, Tennessee, correct? Oh, yeah, dude. In the middle uh, – on a farm in the middle of Tennessee. So give us – yeah, basically just give us the broad strokes and then we got a ton of clips here I want to get through. So broad strokes of what it's like going – for someone who has no idea what it is, quick overview and then we'll hop into it. So it's basically like imagine what you think Woodstock's like uh, with slightly more clothes – just slightly, uh, and a lot more people trying to sell you stuff. Right. That's basically, it's just a giant music festival. Everybody's on drugs. Everybody's drinking. Uh, it's, it's like spring break for people who like acid, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's like a hippie spring break, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but it's, it's not necessarily, I thought it was going to be more hippies, but it's a lot of, um, like, co-eds and frat dudes from all those sec schools that had just let out for summer break so there's a bunch of hippies from the west coast and like the northeast and then everybody in the south that goes to college basically goes there oh okay yeah i didn't i didn't think there was as much of that aspect going on but it makes sense because it's a huge festival they have rock bands playing any excuse to get drunk get high and listen to bands of any sort but it really brings people together so all right, without further ado, let's take a listen to some of the clips. Now, this first guy, you were talking to him about basically the drug buying experience, buying ecstasy, buying Molly in particular. It sounded like this guy was able to pick some up, but you were, you were just basically talking to him about the whole experience. Well, at first glance, it's a little exciting because they kind of look like Battlestar Galactica pendants. Um- He's talking about the uh, tablets of ecstasy and how they look like Battlestar Galactica pendants, which is like a, a huge nerd thing to notice, and probably the only guy to ever notice that while buying ecstasy. Yeah. But I was a little disappointed when we didn't get to buy any, especially since they weren't Battlestar Galactica pendants. But otherwise, we did the the group did hit him up for some for some Molly, and it was a it was an interesting experience. The guy was you know you know cordial enough, sat down, gave. Little- also, great great use of the word cordial. Yeah, a very quaint drug dealer. They don't get that a lot, the ecstasy dealers. Very cordial. Little tests and he, he gave like a little uh, like Baskin Robbins flavor spoon, like a sample spoon. Exactly. Some people are able to test out of the little, uh, as he called it, a little testing bag, which is a little weird out. Cause I don't know how many people around here probably also dipped, you know, their licked finger into the bag. But you know, I guess come it comes down to the end of the day. <laughs> come down to Bonnaroo. <laughs> lick, your, lick your finger, put it in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's basically a great. It's a great way to sum it up. You're just there for the experience. You're having a good time. It sounds like, I mean, in general, 
festivals, you're if you're there, you just kind of got to say, hey, I'm in for the ride. I'm in for the experience. Let's do it. Absolutely. And that's what's great about Bonnaroo is you're away from a major city. You're on a farm. Nobody leaves. So it's just four days of like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, right. yeah whatever. Okay. Sure. I have nowhere to go tomorrow. Now, the, now traditionally, you wouldn't think this is a, a family event, but I've been to music festivals, and sometimes you do run into families. This is you talking to a uh, a guy basically about the family experience, and I think you end up talking to his dad as well here. you guys here with? Uh, actually, my family. So, uh, Oh, it's a family trip. <laughs> it's a family trip to Bonnaroo. Who dragged who to Bonnaroo? Did Dad drag you, or did you drag Dad? It's been a family tradition. Actually, it's four years running now, and it's just... Yeah. I gotta talk to dad. I assume you're dad. Tell me. Wait, first off, now I got a beef to pick with my family and our traditions. <laughs> we sit around and have a nice meal Christmas night. I read the book of Christmas. I would much rather, nothing against Christmas, and I love the tradition, don't get me wrong, but hanging out with jam bands, uh, getting tuned up with the old man sounds a little bit more fun. There wasn't a boob. You know, uh, painting tent in my, uh, in any family traditions I was ever involved in. There was only one boob painting tent in a family tradition, but very quickly we just disowned Uncle Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a, there was a, he just crossed the line. Yeah. What sparked the family Bonnaroo trip? I like to get close to my kids. I love music. That's as good an answer as any I could ever imagine. That's great. So what are some of the best, uh, over the four years, some of the best memories you have of the Bonnaroo trip? We saw the Decemberists uh, right up close, like four rows back. We loved them. They're great. So you're a cool dad. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, forgive so me. The, so you meet the criteria. You're a cool dad. Yeah, I, I'm used to dads liking Bob Seger. You exactly. know, like this dad likes the Decemberists. All right. See, my dad likes the Grateful Dead, but he's not... He's not some like super chill, laid back hippie. He just enjoys the music, and that's about it. But I have no idea who the Decemberists are, and I feel super old when dads like know more about music than me. I'm like, who are the Decemberists? Let's listen to Grateful Dead and the Rolling Stones. These weird dads talking about modern music. Oh, the Decemberists are a band that basically they write songs about people from the 1800s. And okay. like, there's a bunch of weird old instruments. And I saw <laughs> them once and a whale came on the stage and ate them all. <laughs> so that could basically describe. Well, yeah. Sounds like a, a very uh, magical experience. Now, one thing in any of these music festivals, constant battle of the heat. You're always going up against the heat. Wherever you are, it's always just ends up being hot as fuck. So it's a, it's a thing of, uh, you know, getting water, staying hydrated. You're battling the sun and you're not helping yourself by drinking a ton of beers and getting dehydrated, not yeah. eating great, probably. Now, this is you. You kind of, uh, on the tapes, you go off on these little monologues, but this is you basically, uh, talking about, uh, dealing with the heat. Many clouds today with this one cloud. Seriously? Like, with gay marriage being legal, will it soon be legal for me to marry a cloud because I'm about to propose to this fucking cloud? <laughs> Fuck, that fucking cloud's gone. It's so fucking hot right now, I swear to God. Oh my God, you guys, great news. Great news. The cloud's back. I love you, <laughs> so that was, that was cut together from a couple different segments of Josh commenting on the clouds. Wow. We were sitting, it's part, part of the music experience too that we were talking about, like music festival experience is, do you stay at one stage if you have a band at the beginning of the day you want to see and a band at the end of the day that you want to see? Or do you walk around a lot? And I decided to sit in one place where the sun was just beating down on me 
and you know, as an idiot and a novice to music festivals, didn't wear a hat. Oh, so this wow. cloud was like. By the end of it, I was really thinking that the cloud would be a great wife. Wow. <laughs> well, it's, it provides everything you need: shelter, yeah. and you got Water. everything. You got everything else figured out at the yeah. campsite. Yeah. Now I noticed this in Vegas, and I, I I didn't think about how they would do it in at a music festival. But I know whenever you're in Vegas and you start getting drunk, people inevitably just start yelling "Vegas" for no particular reason. <laughs> And it sounds like there was uh, some of that going on over here at Bonnaroo. How many times have you heard someone like you just yell the word Bonnaroo at you? And I mean, endless. <laughs> I can't even not necessarily at me, but uh, it's like constant. Would you say is this accurate? In the last forty-eight hours, you've had more people yell the word Bonnaroo at you than you have slept minutes, like minutes of sleep. Uh, I don't know if I can equate them. I don't know what kind of nerds are running. I don't know if I can actually equate the formula. I have to consult my Battlestar Galactica-like ecstasy pendants and see what time they were purchased and then go into my Starship log and check out the number of minutes I've slept. I, I love it. This guy's great. Oh, sorry. Talking about, I'm just asking you to say yes, so that like I sound like a fucking genius. That was a very insightful yes. Okay. <laughs> I love uh, I love that guy. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, he was just like, "All right, I see your, I see what you're trying to do here. You're just trying to uh, get out of here." And then, yes, that was very insightful. Yes. <laughs> now this is you. Um, I don't know exactly the context of it, but it sounds like you're you're partying. Okay. Next time you hear my voice, uh, I will be on ecstasy. <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> All right. I guess that was you teeing up about uh, trying to get some of the ecstasy. You said you had some bad experiences getting fake drugs. It seems like that's a big part of the festival experience is guys will go there, sell fake drugs, or a lot of guys end up getting arrested. Did you, you, I think you were telling me that you had heard a lot of stories of people getting busted. Yeah, and you know what's so fucked up? I, I was so upset at the large number of just bunk drugs that were being sold. Like, first of all, <laughs> you get in just as much trouble for selling fake drugs as you do for selling real drugs. Right. So bring real drugs. Uh, but yeah, dude, you they don't save as much money. Well, I mean, who goes to a festival to be a predatory capitalist? Like, right. predatory I, capitalist. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> where the future of Lehman Brothers is here at fucking Bonnaroo. Yeah, it's like shooting hippie fish in a hippie barrel. It, it just, I mean, it's probably easy to rip people off with drugs in general if you're selling them on the street. Cause, right. okay, hey, come follow me. I got this. It's in this bag, blah, blah, blah. But at a music festival, it's just way, way easier. Yeah, and you're just sitting down in your campsite, you know, drinking a beer, and a dude will walk by with a backpack, and and then you just have to, like, basically go into, like, game mode. It's like, okay, do I trust you? You're the dude with the fish shirt on, with the, like, just baked out eyes, who's giggling to himself. I'm gonna buy your acid. Right. I think you probably <laughs> see now. Get this acid. would be this would be a great test. Everyone should have like a little. Should have someone who really knows music well, or at least at least most of the bands well enough, and have them be the kind of drug guy bouncer. Guy comes over in a Grateful Dead shirt. Okay, uh, name three of the tracks off the American Beauty Studio album. <laughs> right. So if he can name that, okay, a narc won't take the time to know which Grateful Dead concert live in upstate New York was considered one of the best of all time but a real deadhead who's getting by selling acid 
you can have a conversation about which is his favorite drummer. What did you think happened to the wall of sound? Would Pigpen die of? There's a lot of questions you could ask that a narc wouldn't know. And that's smart. A and B, you can make yourself a good friend doing <laughs> yeah, exactly. that and then get some free drugs. Right. And here's the thing. You're not if, – if you show up in a Grateful Dead shirt and you go, hey, are you a narc? The guy might get offended, might get kind right. of annoyed. But if you show up in a Grateful Dead shirt selling drugs and the guy starts talking about the Grateful Dead, he seems like he checks out. Yeah. Win-win, buddy. Win-win. <laughs> OK. So now we're on to day two. This is you trying to uh, – I think you're talking to a buddy in your campsite trying to rally the troops for day two. Basically trying to uh, measure the mood here at Bonnaroo day two. What's excited about today? You literally just woke up. What are you most excited about right now, this moment? Getting some hot pussy. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> was there was there a lot of hooking up going on? There were a lot of dirty, sweaty hippies totally doing it all the time. But I wasn't like not me personally. I don't know, like like out on the field. There was a there were a lot of makeouts. There were a lot of like, especially at nighttime, a lot of girls that were topless. Uh, depending yes. on what show you were at, you know, because there's just a ton of people on ecstasy. So yeah. like you know, and and we would just walk by, uh, and you would see somebody with a sheet draped over their car, and the car would just be rocking. Back. <laughs> you know, like I love the foresight yeah. to throw the sheet over the car. That's kind it, of a yeah, kind of classy. I'll tell you, they were probably gross. So <laughs> no one wants to see that. <laughs> they know <laughs> gross yeah. people are like we don't want to we don't want to gross you all out. We realize everyone's dehydrated. You don't need to be you don't want to be yakking it up. Yeah, all save right. the water. Don't now, puke. This is another one. This is uh, basically you talking about the Radiohead experience. You're getting excited for it. I accidentally smoked some weed with acid on it. Uh, so I am fucking tripping my balls off. That show was incredible. I'll talk to you more when I'm not in the middle of 80,000 people. The guy. Oh, so sorry. That was you wrapping up the Radiohead concert. Now, that was... One of the bands that you were most excited to see? Yeah, that was uh, one of the bands I was most excited to see. And I think the the set of the festival. I think they had the best set. Uh, their stage show was one of the coolest things I have ever seen. Uh, motorized robotic screens and cameras that just got every fucking angle. And not only just showed like what they were playing but also really created an awesome different mood for each song and the screens would move within the song and also as i mentioned i accidentally smoked acid <laughs> it's a happy accident so you were yeah. you were par for the course you got uh, some uh, sounded like you you were involved in some bunk drugs you, you kind of yeah, got, got some shitty off, ecstasy but then you got some free acid later on Which accidentally yeah. So karmically, it all it all evens out. Oh boy, did it ever! That was such a good show. <laughs> now, so, yeah, now in one band that you you it was a running line here was that you're not a fan of the Avid Brothers. <laughs> no. Am I am I even pronouncing that right? I don't fucking care. Fuck those guys. <laughs> all right. So this is you summing up their whole scene. Right next to me with an open can of pork and beans. Just like hanging out with like just like a fucking straight up open can of pork and beans, which I think describes the Avid Brothers concert experience in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Okay, so sorry, I uh, I kind of stepped on that, but you were basically saying you were at the show, not really enjoying it, and there's a guy just hanging out with a can of pork and beans. Yeah, dude, just an open can with like a wooden spoon <laughs> in it, just totally getting down on his hobo self. 
just loving it. The, the Everybody's the reason I don't like them. Uh, is, Here's the thing, though: a hundred fifty dollar ticket or whatever the ticket is, you can afford a sandwich. You don't need a yeah. Why do you bring? They're not. Pl- I'm assuming they're not playing your farm, or like, you just stumbled right. out of your backyard. <laughs> you had some ends and means to figure Mom. out a way here. Ma, what's going on outside? You didn't tell me all them people were going to be here. Ma, the Avid brothers fixing to do a set. Well, they better, but I'm going to go up there with my jug and play along with them. <laughs> Bring me the can of beans. I love that expression country people have. I'm fixing to whatever. That sounds great. I got to start using that in my own. All right, I'm fixing to get to this next clip. <laughs> now, this was a guy who sounded really tore up. You were, you're, you're talking to him. He was sounding like an old timer. Oh yeah, his this voice is... sounds really crazy. Yeah, the last day of the festival, people are not feeling well. <laughs> they have put their bodies through some <laughs> shit. So this is him, um, basically encouraging drug use. <laughs> Here you go. Do coke. It's really good for you. Some people say a runner's high. It's really good. What the fuck's up with them? The real thing, the real, real good high. It's a fucking cocaine high. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so that dude, like, I went around and I asked a bunch of people, like, what was your favorite drug experience while seeing what band? And so, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, dude, mushrooms and fish. Fucking, you know, like, ecstasy and Skrillex. This dude goes, cocaine and Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh, my And then he was like, Lionel Richie came out during Kenny Rogers. And I was like, are you sure that you're not so high you think it's 1983? (laughs) He's like, I'm working on Wall Street. (laughs) Exactly. Reagan's going to change things. (laughs) Okay, now this is getting to day three. Day three, you wake up and basically sum up how you're feeling, how things are going. And I immediately wash my beard with a hose. I've got four beers in me and I've been awake for approximately that many minutes. I am about... (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, that sums it up. Washing the beard out with the hose. Very. Yeah. That was hard. the only shower, and I use that term very loosely, that I or like anybody that I was around did was there was a hose. Uh, there were a bunch of hoses all around, and you just kind of spray yourself with one uh, just to get the fucking dust off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That's the thing. You can't really have a... Yeah, 100,000 people or whatever are just going to trample any sort of grass. Yeah, exactly. You can't really, you can't really have like a well-put-together infield lawn for these people. No. Now, you you mentioned Skrillex, and for the majority of the people listening to this podcast who are older have no idea who Skrillex is, I'm aware of the name Skrillex. I've seen clips on TV. They're All terrible. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Can you describe Skrillex? Yeah, he's a dude who wears sunglasses and pushes a button. Uh, <laughs> that's basically his job, and that button creates these noises. It's, fucking, it's called dubstep, and it's just these just really bass, like heavy, low rumbles. <laughs> yeah, they, that kind of shit. Yeah. Okay, so now this is you basically... All right, teeing up the Skrillex concert experience. I am about to uh, eat a bunch of acid, uh, <laughs> take some Molly, and figure out what the fuck is up with Skrillex. Uh, okay, so now we kind of heard you you d- you did a little impression there of his music. Now here's a little here's a little uh, of you talking at the Skrillex concert, checking in. I just want to say I'm rolling my balls off right now, Sean. Dude, I know we disagree on politics, man. <laughs> Uh, but you're a great guy. Dude, Sean rescued a dog. Sean rescued a fucking dog. How could you not like Sean Green? He rescued a dog. He's a great man. Uh, I love you, Sean. Do you love me? 
I think you do. I love literally everybody. Like, I'm rolling so fucking hard right now. I love Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was not taken out of context. You actually do love Hitler, correct, Josh? Uh, you know, you're really pressing me on this one, but I got to go with uh, what that amount of Molly in my system. I was capable of... You know, when they're like, hey, we, if you were, were to go back in time, would you kill Hitler? If you would ask me, I go back in time, I just try to talk to the dude and maybe try to talk him out of it. <laughs> just get, just talk sense to the old yeah, guy. you know, show him like, hey, I'm a Jew, like maybe we can get along. Just compliment his paintings. I feel like yeah. a lot of his anger was out of being a failed artist. Just, yeah, get some coffee, like dude, the brush, like the brushstrokes. He owned a dog. There, there was some part of him that was a, a passionate, um, there was some part of him somewhere at some point that was uh, probably an okay person or at least there was some humanity in the guy yeah. at some point. And that's what's scary about that guy is that you could just completely lose that and get caught in this megalomaniac of uh, taking over the world and then just feeding off of that and just being insanely evil. Yeah, you know, instead of, like, poisoning him or assassinating him, I would, like, sneak up and just drop some Molly in his drink. <laughs> and then he'd be like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 whoa, what's going on, guys? Yeah. I, I'm really hot. I feel great right now. Let's stop all the murder. And instead of <laughs> killing Jews, he'd be using the ovens to bake Totino's pizza rolls, something <laughs> yeah. positive. Yeah, exactly. You, those are giant ovens. How many pizzas can we put in there? Let's find out, you guys. Massage train. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Massage train. He's just, he's just, he's just rubbing gypsies' heads. Yeah. This scarf's awesome. <laughs> it feels so nice. Where'd you get it? Oh my it? god! Polish people are awesome. Oh, look at these pierogies. They're so delicious. <laughs> Everything's so great right now. Ava, Ava, come here. You gotta, I gotta feel your hair. Ava, I love your hair. Touch my little mustache. Please. Now it's, <laughs> my tiny mustache. <laughs> feel this. Oh my god, that's growing from my face right Whoa. now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this swastika, man. Kind of trips you out, huh? Is it spinning or is it just staying here? Whoa. <laughs> Dude, maybe it's spinning because the earth is spinning. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just wrote a sketch, guys. Hitler on ecstasy. <laughs> now, you talked about um, there was a lot of glow sticks. I guess that's part of the whole rave ecstasy thing at the Skrillex concert. And uh, this is you're talking to one of the people who are kind of responsible for the – there's a lot of people trying to help the environment out, try to keep things clean, try to limit the uh, – global carbon footprint of the concert so this is uh, you talking to the person how many glow sticks did you pick up after skrillex we don't actually they're not allowed in so actually very few but people have uh, found a more responsible glow stick <laughs> responsible glow stick dude there needs to like if, if obama really wants the youth vote he's got to go out with the platform more responsible glow stick <laughs> i found it <laughs> uh good old responsible glow sticks they mean- i would Right, like that's that. That's where we are as a culture. Like we still haven't found a renewable energy source. You know, we still haven't really like uh, invested our time or money in the science behind trying to combat like the sea levels rising. But dude, have we made a responsible glow stick? <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> exactly. What are these scientists up to? Fucking I, raves. Is, it is. It is frustrating. But there's a demand. People and who are these people buying the responsible glow sticks? I, I just all of it is. Mind-boggling. 
but I guess if you're just high and you have a glow stick, you don't care. But then the, enough foresight to care about the environment enough to bring a glow stick that's the, not going to damage the environment and then be high. And then, that must be really annoying because you're high. You're at the concert. You're seeing all this irresponsible glow stick use. <laughs> Guys, come on. This is bumming me out, dude. This is, bum- oh, this is harsh in my vibe. Let me just talk to you about what's in that glow stick. Like, <laughs> I don't care what's in stuff. Obviously, I just bought an ecstasy. Yeah. I just bought ecstasy off a guy I, I, in a random bag. Yeah, dude, I just bought white powder from a dude <laughs> who, like, has fucking wheels on his backpack that are rims. It is, like, <laughs> I don't care at all. It is, it's so funny, when, especially, like, with people's health, how they can be so kind of uh, disparagingly, like, so hypocritical one way and then not on the other way. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of vegans there doing coke and, like, oh, just yeah. chugging whiskey. But, oh, totally. Oh, my God, a piece of bacon? How That's, oh, a, that's outrageous. Yeah. I'm sure some of them are ethical vegans. Okay. <laughs> Day oh, four. For all the ethical vegans that listen to the Green Room Show, oh, they Sean's are, on your side. They are hardcore listeners. <laughs> okay, uh, this is day four. You're checking back in. Bonnaroo is crazy. Everybody looks... Like they've been hit by the Coors Light party train. <laughs> I, I just like that line, man. That was pretty. <laughs> a good one. It's a solid line. It, you know, the Frostbrood party train came into town, knocked everyone over. Yeah, Fifty is, people dead. <laughs> I got derailed, but it was a horrific. I lost my leg to the Coors Light party train. <laughs> I was a hobo trying to get on the back, trying to ride the Coors Light party rails. <laughs> just couldn't happen. Where's my American dream, Coors? <laughs> Where's my America? I uh, Side note to – I think I might have tweeted this, but domestic beer, you don't need to keep reinventing yourself. Like we're on board with beer. Yeah. I don't – the constant new taps, new like, oh, hey, you get to punch your top now. Oh, yeah. Let's add more the, work to beer. Yeah, it's fun, weird. guys. It's uh, I drink beer because I want to have fun and be drunk off of beer, especially domestic beer. All you need to have is cold. All right, yeah. I get it. Well, they got to stay ahead of these microbrews. Microbrews are sneaking up on them. I don't know, in dude. In the slice of the uh, the old marketplace. Yeah, but, but I don't think that I don't think that helps. Like I choose Coors Light because well, it's cheap. It partly be- <laughs> yeah, it's cheap and there's a lot of it. Partly because of the mountains. I was sold on that gimmick, but I don't <laughs> I don't need the vortex bottle. Some some are good inventions. I'll give them that. But come on, just settle. They just need to be more confident in themselves. Your beer, you're fine. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> okay, now this is you trying to kind of uh, mix it up with your interview style. I'll leave it at that. I've got a couple other questions I want to ask you. When did you grow a tail? A what? When did you grow a tail? Uh, I actually never grew a tail. Okay, and when did you become a lizard? Um, probably Friday night, and I don't know, I'm still a lizard. <laughs> so he I sounded s- confused, but still answering your question. Well, it was weird, because you can see the first guy was not ready to play along with the game, <laughs> and was honestly a little probably paranoid. Uh, oh, what's, yeah. what's they, going on, Tail? The, these two dudes looked like they were tripping, and so I was like <laughs> trying to see if they were really tripping. <laughs> so seeing how far you could go. But this the other guy, when you asked him whether he was a lizard, it was great, because at first he was like, yeah, I'm a lizard, and then halfway through like answering, you can kind of hear in his tone of his voice, like, Wait, am I a lizard? Like, there was, <laughs> oh, no. like, I think he started out answering, knowing, like, okay, this guy's playing a joke, having fun answering the question. And then, like, when he said, like, when he became a lizard and started fleshing out the lizard backstory, I think he lost sight of whether it was real or not. That's the vibe I was getting off this guy. <laughs> 
Now, as well as like people trying to promote the environment and other lost causes, there was a guy uh, <laughs> trying to promote voting. Basically, hey, we got a lot of young people here. We're going to change things. Let's get them registered to vote. And uh, I, I enjoyed you talking to him. Mind them when it's election day because they're probably going to be high. Uh, actually, on uh, we do some things where like Mark Brownstein from the Disco Biscuits is on the board <laughs> of uh, account, and so like a couple uh, like last year he called people the day before and was like, "Yo, this is Brownie. Uh, you need to go vote tomorrow." <laughs> oh my god, that's that's so awesome. That's yeah, so- if you're going to sign people up to vote while they're high, you better remind them when they're supposed to vote. That's great. And yeah. as much as we like to give people crap for not really doing anything, a guy actually personally calling from whatever band you're involved – sure, his band name is Disco Biscuits, which is a code <laughs> word for ecstasy. So I'm <laughs> yep. sure he's a, a diehard Romney supporter as well. Oh, totally. And so he's he's wanting to get the, the word out there about the grand old party and, and how we can re- reclaim America. So he's calling up these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, hey, it's Brownie, man. Hey, it's Brownie, man. Dude, there's a fucking elephant. Like, I see it, man. I, but I could put my hand through it. I'm freaking out. Oh, shit, you got to vote today. <laughs> hey, I'm in a band that's named after ecstasy. But you know what makes me feel real ecstasy? Is knowing that you guys are taking part in America. <laughs> You're making your voice heard. <laughs> for the Disco Biscuits for a Better America. Okay, now, one of the other bands, one of the big name acts, Fish was there. Now, this was sounded like your first Fish show? This was the very first time I, I, you know, you always hear a lot about Fish. I feel like they're, I don't know how they do it, but six people at, in every high school, like every grade, wear a Fish shirt every day. Yeah. To high school. I don't know how they did that, but they managed to make that happen. So the, I really wanted to get to know, like, I just wanted to figure them out. And here we go. It's like being in a giant hug, like a sound hug. Hey, what's up, man? I'm in a fucking hammock of sound hugs, just laying down, relaxing. That's what a fish concert's like on mushrooms. (laughs) Nice. Or just fish concert in general, probably. The key was mushrooms. Yeah. (laughs) I think if I had been there, I was sober at the beginning, and I was like, I still don't get this. (laughs) And then the mushrooms (laughs) kicked in, and I was like, oh, I totally get this. That's what I hear about fish. You can't watch it sober. Well, just I'm, a, I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of fish, and yeah, I guess they've they've even rocked it up a little bit more and kind of gone less jammy, if you can believe it, from some of their older stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, Trey's a really good musician, and they they do some really cool stuff. But yeah, sometimes you just get too much jamming. And I was thinking about this, really, we. Josh, we picked the wrong avenue of performing. I mean, we should have been jam band guys because the expectations are so low. Yeah. Being not popular is like almost a badge of honor. Like, oh, hey, you don't get Sean Green because you're not a part of the scene, man. And then guys just show up on Mushrooms and, re- you know, just laugh aimlessly at oh, my jokes. Dude. I can meander around everywhere. <laughs> it's like it's not the jokes. It's like when he keeps repeating his setup <laughs> over and over again but using different words. What's the deal? What's the deal? What's the deal? Deal, deal, deal. <laughs> like really, I just need to market myself as a guy who kind of funny, but much better if you're high on ecstasy, acid, right. mushrooms, or all three. And it's probably true for everyone. Everyone's funnier if someone is high watching them. But is that impossible to be a comic and be on stage and just be like, so I was, and somebody going like, <laughs> dude, he said was, but he is. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean. 
obviously we're we're joking around, but really, the comedy is out of any of the performing arts is much more of a dialogue because you mm-hmm. need that kind of rhythm. You need to create that tension or leave it. So if people were just totally baked and totally just wasted and kind of just aimlessly there laughing at whatever, it would screw up the whole thing. You couldn't create the tension in order to relieve it. Dude, I don't was, think so. I totally agree with that. I was uh there's a show that they run at this pot clinic uh downtown and in the pot clinic you can vaporize hash. So you're sitting the audience is just a bunch of dudes vaporizing hash and a uh, very funny dude Carl Hess uh was on the show with me and he looks at me he's like these people aren't laughing because it's almost impossible to be as good as smoking hash. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to be better than smoking hash with a flamethrower or like a yeah, it was like a flamethrower. Right, cuz you have to be engaged. You have to be listening. Yeah. You have to be imagining what the guys talking about. It's you can't enjoy comedy passively. Yeah. So, it is like an active experience. M- music you can just kind of hang out and enjoy it. Oh, totally. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, no I, one's ironing while listening to like <laughs> you know like right. an Eddie Izzard. <laughs> like. yeah, exactly. All right, so now this is just basically you last last little check in here recapping Bonnera. I think that's what Bonnera is. It allows you to step into other people's shoes and have other people's fun, if just for one night. Uh, <laughs> it was an incredible experience, and I'll be coming back again. This is Josh Androsky, your Bonnera correspondent. I'm pretty sure I'm still tripping. <laughs> nice. You weren't tripping that hard that you didn't know your comedic timing, Josh. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that commitment. Now, speaking of uh, you tripping in public. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we um, I teased earlier about a Price is Right trip. So basically the idea was one of our friends, it was her uh, 30th birthday. She rented a party bus. Everyone uh, got in the party bus, got really tuned up, showed up at the prices right, totally wasted, um, you know, hanging out, having a good time. We thought we were guaranteed one person to be called down, and Josh Andrasky, boy, were we right. Andrasky, <laughs> come on! All right, so Josh, you get called down to the prices, right? Take us through there, your mindset, how you're feeling, what's going on. Oh my god, dude. It was so you don't need mushrooms to trip the fuck out on being in the studio. Like everybody grew up watching that studio. Yeah. So I'm tripping out. I that just, stage looks like candy. Dude, the stage is candy. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't lick the walls, but they probably taste like bananas <laughs> or chocolate or something. But it like, is it's overwhelming visually and sound. Yeah, they're just shooting lights at you, and there's music, and there's like old people dancing with kids, and it's just super weird. And I Drew Carey's hitting on a lot of chicks in the audience. A lot of chicks that are really old and really unfortunate looking. <laughs> That's the thing. Like when you do come on down, they don't tell you that the ugliest people in the world go to the Price Is Right. They're <laughs> right. just shaking hands with like ones and twos, <laughs> maybe like three beer twos. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of Midwest housewives that watch the show during the day. They're probably not working or on disability or whatever hanging out during the day so they they enjoy the show they come on out to california do their big trip try to get on oh yeah oh they're beautiful people on the inside right Don't exactly. get me wrong. but on the outside <laughs> not the case <laughs> basically probably the direct opposite of the chicks modeling the cars and prizes yeah. for the prices right it's a wonderful yin yang <laughs> they're probably i'm gonna go out on a ledge and say awful people on the inside but yeah. very appealing on the outside Absolutely. that was one thing i noticed i guess maybe it was somehow tying into soaps a week but they had a dude uh prices right guy yeah. basically 
a Barker bro. I don't know what the term <laughs> is, but just a, a dude presenting the prize is just like, hey, I'm a guy in a Jeep. It's like, no, you're supposed to be a hot chick in a Jeep. Well, I think they What's realized I think they realized that lonely housewives and old women on disability are the only people that watch The Price is yes, Right. Yes, but it was right. created back in a time when television was like, all right, sex sells, and the yeah. idea of having guys – this was when – a man was a man and the idea that you could you probably couldn't even get guys who would want to model cars and stuff like that <laughs> yeah do you mean i don't get to drive it yeah right i just gotta stand by it uh, you're fuck gonna... this i'm going to the war <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you mean i have to whiten my teeth and and get, get my eyebrows waxed meanwhile now there's probably like a, you probably have to hook up with someone just to get an audition to be the <laughs> marker bro dude. At the Drude. So you're tripping pretty hard. Oh, um, yeah. Admittedly, you took a lot of mushrooms yes. before, and you're you're on there. So just kind of generally overwhelming, the experience being there? Super overwhelming. I, I, uh, I don't know. You know what's weird? Like, there was this weird calm that sort of just went across my head. Like, I was tripping. We were drunk, too. Like, it wasn't just that. And then there, there, I had had a lollipop. You're like the, the, for those of you that don't have legal weed, you can't just go to a store and buy a lollipop that's full of weed. We can in California, and boy, did we. Uh, so I was just – I had all these things going on in my head, but I just had this sort of like like very gentle calmness like wash over my brain. I you, seem, like, you seem relaxed up there. I, I was so relaxed. Okay, now this is you – um, to set it up visually, you're wearing a Dolly Parton hat, a big pop. Dolly, Dolly Parton shirt. Sorry, Dolly uh, yeah. Parton shirt, a big pop hat, and I think this is your first bid. You're the first guy, and this is your first bid. Closest to the actual retail price, without going over, uh, Big Papa. We're gonna start with you. <laughs> <laughs> For that, I'm gonna bid one dollar. One dollar. Boom. You're the first guy, and you start off with a one dollar. Out the gate. Gotta come out strong, you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't go to The Price is Right to make friends. I went to The Price is Right to win. One dollar. This is, again, you and uh, you and Drew Carey mixing it up here. Big Papa hat, Dolly Parton shirt, bit a dollar. I'm a mystery, dude. Wrapped in an enigma. Get used to it. Uh, that is just a great line. Yeah, You're just calling awesome. him out, getting in his thing. Now I know they took out. We got a. Uh, we got a. Well, let's just get to this, and then we'll we'll cut. We'll talk about what they cut out. Now this is you. You end up winning your dollar. Your continued <laughs> bid of one dollar eventually pays off. Yeah. Now what did you? What that already aired, so you can talk about the prize. Yeah. Oh. Oh boy, did I win the worst prize in the history <laughs> of the prices? Right. I won a chocolate diamond ring. Oh, a chocolate diamond. That sounds really cool. I'm sorry. That you you have a brown ring. <laughs> did, did somebody take a shit on your ring? No, it was already brown, and it doesn't even taste. Like root beer. It's now, just a gaudy, awful. Have you gross. gotten the ring? I have the ring. It's sitting on my dresser. I'm going <laughs> to pawn it off. Oh, I thought at first it was made of chocolate. I was no. like, well, that, yeah, that's worth <laughs> less than a dollar. You had Logan interested. All right, what's this <laughs> chocolate, chocolate diamond? No, they just call it a chocolate diamond ring because they can't call it a brown ring because exactly. no one would buy it. <laughs> and sadly, even the actual chocolate rings are still made of chocolate blood diamonds. It's, it's a slippery slope. All right. <laughs> now, this is, this is you up there. Basically, once you get called on up there uh, talking with uh, Drew Moore. Uh, Joshua, uh, I can't wait to hear. Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a skateboard rabbi. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> and we were talking about 
what we should say our occupation was in line because they kind of – if you don't know about the prices, Right. Basically, they bring you in groups. They interview you and essentially they're casting people. They either want someone who's high energy, someone who's in a big group, someone who's like a wedding. What? Yeah, want, an adorable old lady or, yeah. you know, like a sassy – It's a know. TV show. So they really yeah. do kind of cast it. They want personalities. Right. So we were – it was like 20 comedians and we're like, oh, we are – we all can't say comedian, so right. people are just saying other jobs or, you know, what kind of they do during the day. Yours was like one of my favorites. <laughs> well, I was getting, I was just kind of, I was tuned up in general and <laughs> I was just, and they were like getting closer and closer and I don't have a car. I really need a car. A lot of pressure. I was like, make this good, Green, make this good. And I panicked because I didn't want to say a joke occupation, but I didn't want to see something boring. So I settled on, I work in an office, but I really love having fun. And I just said it, <laughs> I said it all basically in one. One sentence and just scared the crap out of the guy. The guy <laughs> followed up by saying, "What do you do when you're sober?" And I and I just go, uh, "Have fun." And I like <laughs> turn to people for the applause, kind of like, "That's right, right." And and then uh, Josh nailed it with skateboard and rabbit because. It's one of those things. Obviously, you're, you're a Jewish guy or just anything with religion. They can't. They can't fuck with you on that. No, they can't. They're not going to say, oh, you're not a rabbi. You were, but I mean, Drew Carey knew that you weren't a skateboarding rabbi, right. but they, it's like one of those things where it's like funny, interesting. They can't really call you out on it. It was, it was the perfect thing. Well, they call. did sort of, and this is what they cut out and it bummed me out so much that they cut this out because once I said that, it, dude, Drew got fucking serious. Like Frost, he Frost Nixoned me. He was like, <laughs> So how do you incorporate skateboards into Judaism? <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. It's <laughs> like, uh, and I just pulled this line out of my ass. I don't know where it came from, but I was like, well, Drew, we go to local high schools and try to turn religious extremism into religious extremism. <laughs> like held up the big X. And like the audience loved it, but like Drew Carey fucking, I think, I think he bought it. I think that made him act because it sounded enough like a bunch Yeah, sticker. no, it sounded like, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounded, sounded like, like enough of pocket. a uh, enough of an actual line. And it's funny, I was doing a show, and I, I went and talked to him. I was like, hey, I'm friends with the skateboard rabbi. He's like, cool. And I saw something on Twitter where people were, like, tweeting him when the episode aired. It's like, who's this skateboard rabbi? And he's like, um, I, I guess some other people had ran into him at another show and talked to him briefly. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm starting to doubt whether this guy was actually a skateboard rabbi. But you, you, I think you might have sold him during the show. It was, it was pretty great. <laughs> so now this is the the last memorable clip. Unfortunately, he did not win a trip to see the jazz festival in yeah, Atlanta, jazz fest. which would have been awesome. I'm sure it would have been a fun time. Oh, so at this point, they they like sit me down, and and I'm like, thank God I'm off that stage because the lollipop really started kicking in, and I was fucking flying. <laughs> like I had a jetpack on, and I was just up in the stars at this point. And then I think I'm out of it. Think I'm done. And then, uh, some Kenneth the Page looking motherfucker, like, comes out to me and is like, you ready to spin the wheel? And I wanted to say no, because I wasn't. Uh, but it, I was like, yeah, totally. And that thing is huge. That thing is so much bigger than I thought it was. And, like, I didn't want to be that weakling on TV that didn't spin it around all the way. So, like, I was just, like, you know, the studio was breathing. I was like, I had to take every good vibe in the fucking studio. And I just pulled down that wheel and it spun, dude. It spun, like, six times. I was just like, fuck you, dad. <laughs> Then Drew Carey sticks the mic in my face and asks me if I want to say fucking hide anybody. Yep, here we go. The the audio's not great, but I, I think you can make it up. My brain broke. 
Want to say hi to somebody? Uh, yeah, happy birthday, Tess. And uh, I want to say hi to um, everybody who loves music. <laughs> that's nobody. <laughs> that's so great. He's like, uh, that's nobody. Trying to tag your joke. You, you had the highest thing it. in the world. The highest thing anybody's ever said on television. Would you say who loves music? I just, I just want to say hi to everyone who loves music. Yeah. Oh. Who do you want to say hi to? Everyone who loves music. Like my voice was gone. <laughs> you sound oh. like you'd been through hell. Well, I, I don't think we can top that. Logan, you, uh, you want to wrap things up here with a haiku? Let's do it. Price is wrong, bitch. Robbie Knievel loves God. Hitler needs love, too. <laughs> Probably the first time Hitler's been mentioned in a sympathetic light in a haiku. Nice work, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh, uh, thanks a lot for coming on this program, man. Appreciate it. Where Thank can uh, Where can people check you out? Where can they see you online? Uh, yeah, I run a show, uh, every other Wednesday at the Little Modern Theater in LA called Ham Clown. Uh, if you go to facebook.com slash ham clown, you can check us out. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at shutupandrosky, and Androsky spelled A-N-D-R-O-S-K-Y. All right, good times, man. And, of course, I have a big show in Philadelphia, July 20th. You can get tickets over at shantygreen.com. Just hit the calendar link there. And also, if you're in the L.A. area, I will be doing the Setlist show Thursday, July 5th at the Nerdist Theater. I think it starts around 8 o'clock. Eddie Pepitone, Greg Proops should be a great program. That's Thank great. you. Yeah, it's, it's uh, looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on ShantiGreen.com. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also check out DocumentaryLabel.com. All right. Good times, man. Sweet, dude. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Ready to go, buddy?